This is James Dixon, Senior Pastor at Christ Church PCA, and you are listening to the Local Youth Worker Podcast by RYM. Everybody, welcome back to another episode. Um, we are going to be talking about a new book written by James Dixon. Uh, the title of that book, A Thousand Little Moments, Grace-Shaped Parenting. Uh, James, how's it going? All right, John. How are you doing? It's good to be with you. Doing well. Yeah, it's good to see you. Um, and James, as we're going to be talking about this new book on parenting, uh, we're also going to have his son joining us as well, uh, Stuart. Stuart, how's it going? Yeah, I'm great. I'm so great. How are you, John? Doing good. Yeah, it's good to, to see the two of you. Um, Stuart, it's good to reconnect with you after we got to connect this this summer, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, more in just a minute. Just for our listeners, I, I thought it would be interesting uh, that we're talking about a, a book on parenting to not only have James, the author, as the parent, but then have his son on as well. So looking forward to this uh, conversation. Uh, James Stewart, this is your first time on the podcast. So James, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you grew up and all that good stuff? Well, um, so I grew up in Dalton, Georgia, uh, North Georgia, and um, crossed state lines, went over to Auburn for for college and um, had a bit of a winding journey after that uh, in Atlanta and, and up in North Carolina, but eventually the Lord called me to ministry or maybe eventually I stopped running from that call and, uh, <laughs> and our family wound up in Trustful, Alabama to plant, planted Christ yeah. Church PCA here. And, and how long, how long ago was that, that you, you planted the church? Yeah, we, we moved here 12 years ago. Um, Stuart was in the second grade, uh, his Older brother Pierce was in the fifth, and his uh, his sister Blair was in the fourth. So, we've been here for twelve years, planted the church, and and um, it's been quite a family affair. Along the way, I got to uh, I, I got connected with RYM, and um, my first introduction there I think was at, at YLT. So, had a had a multi year journey with RYM. So, it's really cool to be with you. Yeah. Yeah, I know our paths have crossed at uh, youth theater training. And have you been to some of the summer conferences as well? It seemed like I've seen you down there a few times. Well, I, I got to go pick up the kids one year. Um, and so I, I got I got in on the, the final night large group. My wife has been there to chaperone. She For some reason, the kids wanted her to chaperone <laughs> and not me. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I get to enjoy it from a distance. But I think I'm the only family member. Uh, who has not been for the whole camp. Gotcha. And and tell us too, I know you'll be transitioning to a new call um, in the new year, I believe. Why don't you just let us know a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I, so in January, I'm going to be transitioning to Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, serving as Vice President of Advancement. Um, that is uh, an evidence of the Lord's surprising calling. Um, but, you know, I've, I've long had uh, a passion for investing in the next generation of of young people, period, but uh, but also more specifically for uh, ministers and um, had a had several seminary interns with us. And so when I began having a conversation with Tom Gibbs, president of Covenant Seminary, and pursued that it just became clear that that was uh, 
where the Lord was calling us for, uh, for the next step, it, it felt like a natural calling combining a lot of my business experience prior to, prior to seminary and, and ministry along with my pastoral ministry. So we are sad to leave Christ church at trustful, um, mm-hmm. but, um, but also excited about what the Lord's got ahead for us in St. Louis. Yeah, now I know that's bittersweet for sure. Exciting, but I know there's been much work uh, where you are. And it is kind of funny at the, the time of this recording, I, I just had a conversation with Dan Doriani, um, which I think I don't know when all of these will post, but I think his episode will be the week prior to this one. So um, for those who know, Dan Doriani is a professor at Covenant Seminary. So I know you guys will be crossing mm-hmm. paths a little bit there. Um, just with Dan myself. Oh, all right. Um, Stuart, uh, let's also give you a minute just to, to share a little bit about where you are. Stuart and I got to connect this summer as you served as a summer intern um, at our, our conferences. Uh, Stuart, just let the listeners know where you're joining us from, what you're currently up to. Yeah. Um, so I'm a sophomore at Auburn now. Um, I'm the the fifth out of the, five, the Dixon Five to go to Auburn. So it's kind of in my blood to go here. Um, but I've loved it. Auburn's a great community. Um, so yeah, I moved to, moved to Trustful. I was in second grade. The more I look back, the more I realize how our church kind of raised me. <laughs> um, and I think a, a big part of that too, is just the fact that I started going to RYM starting sixth grade. Hmm. Um, so RYM has always been a huge part of my life. Um, and a huge reason of why I'm in the faith. Um, but then also just got the amazing opportunity this summer to intern for OYM and love getting to know John and all the other guys on staff. Um, and then just the internship and all in all was, it was one of the best experiences of my life and I've loved it. So yeah, um, it's good to see you again, John. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was fun yeah. getting to you this summer, but Yeah. No, that was as we're, we're jumping on it, just getting to yeah reconnect prior to recording. Yeah. And um, there, there are a lot yeah. of, as I think of those who tune into this podcast, a lot of parents tune into this. Um, parents, you, you just heard that testimony of how awesome the, the summer internship is for uh, your kids. So I, I would encourage any parents out there who think they might have a child that would be interested in something like this, just to, to go to rym.org and check out some more details there. Um, so look, yeah, let, let's let, let's jump into to the book again. The title: A Thousand Little Moments, Grace Shaped Parenting. Um, James, just tell us um, tell us a little bit about the title. How did you come up with this title? How did you arrive at that? I know coming up with the title for a book takes some work, and it's not always the easiest thing. So, yeah, how did you arrive at that? Well, I. I... I probably arrived at the title the way I arrived at most of um, the content of what's in the book. There's a there's a lot of failure uh, that that informed um, what the Lord is just doing in us, and and so I, I uh, it, it it took a while, but but I think that the meaning behind the title sort of was a thread that ran throughout the book, and it was um, it, it was this picture. Uh, I think that just sticks in my mind of the photo mosaic. Um, you know what a photo mosaic is? It's just that single picture that's made up 
a thousand little thumbprint images and they're arranged to form one whole. Um, and <clears throat> I tend to think about parenting in that way and that image gives me um, two reminders. Maybe, I, I don't know if, John, you've got a lot of kids. I don't know if you, you share this with me, but uh, but I have at alternate periods in my life and in my parenting struggled with anxiety and apathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and But I think the, the image of the photo mosaic helps on both of those fronts. Um, I'm reminded of a, of a story when, I don't know, Stuart maybe was probably four years old. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll blog about this, but there was a particular time when um, when I was bringing the kids out to go pick up sticks in the backyard. Uh, I, I had grown up with a in, a in a family where work ethic was one of the most prized qualities, and and I was going to raise my kids with a work ethic. So <laughs> there was a particular Saturday morning where uh, kids were probably four, six, and eight, and we were going to go out and pick up sticks and that worked well for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was the same way for a long time too. <laughs> well, th- 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 there is good news at the end of that uh, um, tunnel. They, they, it Lord does build it in them, but, but after five minutes they were done. Uh, and when they were done, uh, I lost my mind. Um, <laughs> Cause I thought in that moment I had to do it all. Hmm. Um, and I think maybe for a lot of parents, we put too much on any one moment and that builds anxiety um, and we can be free of the tyranny of the moment or because God's sovereign over uh, over our kids' lives and over our kids' hearts, but also because in his wisdom, he's given us more than one moment to raise them. Um, and so that image of the multiple uh, pictures forming the whole gives me some freedom from the tyranny of the moment, but it's also a reminder that I got to be intentional with every moment. So it, it speaks to anxiety, but it also speaks to the apathy. We're calling us to be intentional, to redeem every single moment, um, to, to really invest in them and pursue their heart. And, and I think that the, the combination of that just captures a lot of my vision for parenting. So mm-hmm. That's the title that, uh, that those thousand moments sort of, run as a thread throughout yeah no that i think that's great and um yes i think every parent listening to this knows about the the two extremes of apathy and anxiety um and and just as you're explaining that that, that's something i love about the book is just your pastoral heart throughout that those parents who feel beat up or discouraged um will be ministered to through this book and so any parents out there listening um, just want to en- encourage them with that. Um, Stuart, just to, to put you on the spot a little bit, have, yeah. have you read, have you read the book? I've read most of the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I finished it. I have read most of it though. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I definitely agree. I first, I, I didn't really know, um, how it was going to apply in my life. Cause obviously yeah. I'm, I'm not yet at that stage <laughs> to be a parent. Um, but I mean, I, I very much agree. It's a lot of, um, it, it's, it's all gospel centered. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's all about grace too. And I, I mean, I will admit there was a large part of me that wanted to read the book so that I could see all the little illustrations and stories. Of, sure. Um, yeah. 
of just like stories from my childhood. Um, and I kind of had to be humbled in that when I wasn't mentioned until about the third or fourth <laughs> chapter. <laughs> no well, shot yeah, or anything. So, um, but so just cu- curious too that like yeah. when your dad first told you, "Hey, I'm going to write a book on on parenting." Do you remember when he told you that, and kind of what were you thinking when when he shared that with you? Oh gosh. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think I was too young to think it was that cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, looking back now, I wish I had more of an appreciation for it. Um, mm. But I, I think, I mean, yeah, honestly, I do, I do think I was I was a little too young. Um, yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah, who cares? Let's go through the football right now. Don't, yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of how I was. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I really, I do enjoy reading all the books and looking through the stories. And I mean, it's great just to kind of reflect on old memories. Um, mm-hmm. but I think I learned a lot just about the, the patience that it takes, um, mm-hmm. just through parenting, but also like even through ministry or through, uh, throughout it all. Cause those, like, like you said, the, the little moments that it takes, like, I remember just from like a different perspective, um, this summer I was talking with Joe Deegan, um, and we were talking about how, when we were kids, we used to like watch our parents do all the small things and how, mm-hmm that kind of impacted us. And for Joe, he said that he would see his dad come home from work and give his mom uh, a foot massage. And it was like just that small act of selflessness and service to his wife that he pointed out. And now he like wants to continue doing like the same small acts. And for me, looking back, it's, it's things like dad watching you help mom with the, the dishes every night. And there are times where you say like, Hey, I got it. You can go and do your thing. And like you, you take that responsibility. Um, and when I'm in fifth grade, that age, like that doesn't really resonate with me. I just kind of see it happen. It doesn't actually have an effect on it. But like, as you see it over time, I see how that affects how I view, like how I want to go about a relationship or how I want to go about parenting. Um, and also I think it just makes me respect how much patience you had with me. <laughs> Cause I think about all like the, the, the really true things you would kind of instill in my heart from an early, from an early age. Um, I, I remember when I was in fifth grade going to a baseball game um, and you would pray with me beforehand, praying mm-hmm. that my identity would not be in baseball, but it would be in God. And I was a fifth grader. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I have no idea what that means, but that sounds right. Um, and then I've kind of said that statement, up, but it didn't actually resonate with me up until about senior year or around there. And I was just like, Oh, that like, I realized now that all the stuff he's been saying to me, actually, like it makes sense now. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's because you were so patient with it. And it's because you were so adamant about it and gentle with it. You weren't trying to force anything upon me. Um, But yeah, I think that just makes me appreciate so much, how much patience you had with us. Hmm. Uh that's awesome to hear that. Um, and James, I know that's, that's encouraging for you. Um, look, I know we're going to take a break in just a second and we're going to get into some more of the kind of details and structure of the book. Um, but, uh, Stuart, as you were just saying, kind of the, the memories that, that came up from reading the book, I'm just curious about family traditions. Um, just some of those that you look back on as, as a family, uh, do you guys have some significant traditions that you think about there? There's one I'm thinking about specifically from the book, but I'm just curious what comes to mind for you guys. 
James, we can go with you first. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll take a, a stab, and I'm curious to get Stuart's take on it. I, it, it t- two things come to mind. Um, one, and I, I think I wrote about this in the in the book. It's it's pizza night. Um, yeah, that's the one I, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, a, a, you know, a friend of mine taught me how to make pizza early on, and the, the reality was we used to order pizza every Friday night, but as kids got uh, older, that got more and more expensive. And so (laughs) it started out honestly as a cost saving measure, but it has become something that has just been uh, a family activity. And um, we stand around the, the kitchen bar and they get to pick out what ingredients they want. And it's become sort of a, a group activity and, and, and one that we've been able to share with the kids' friends so that when they, they, their, their friends are over, they, they want to do that and they want to share it with them. And, uh, and it just has fostered a lot of togetherness. Um, um, and, and so that's, it, 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 everybody likes pizza. So that's one part of it, but, uh, but the other part of it is just being together to, to enjoy mm-hmm. Um, that prep time. That's one thought. The, the, the other thought, quite frankly, is uh, just our love of uh, Auburn football and the Lord's sanctifying work through that. In yeah. our lives because there's a lot of, there's a lot of heartaches there, but uh, no, it, it, it's funny. We, we can't pick them. We can't pick one movie that we all like, and there's a lot of things. We've all got different interests and we have a way of celebrating those different interests, but it also means that, there aren't as many things that we all share, but we share that. And so it's just been fun to find those, those things that we have in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Stuart pizza night for you. Um, what was your uh, go-to topping? I mean, typically the one oh, that man. you would go <laughs> I, I love the mighty meaties. If we had the sausage, pepperoni, bacon, that was, that was my go-to. I was never a big fan of the, of the vegetables. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'm starting to get hungry now. And now it's, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this pizza. Um, look, no, that, that's great. And that actually comes from a, a chapter that I really like that I think we're going to dig into a little bit more after the break. But let's take a quick break and then be back more with James and Stuart. Um back here talking with James and Stuart Dixon. Um, James, why don't you just give us kind of the, the big picture of this this book? I know it's broken into three sections, maybe just kind of highlight those three and then we'll, we'll dig in at some certain places. Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, one of the things I'd say about this book is it's it's not a how-to book. My, my wife is uh, um, kind to remind me that if it were a how-to book, I wouldn't have any place writing it. Um, so uh, that's not the goal here. This is not a formula of parenting. And and <clears throat> I have to resist that in my own heart. I, I, I want a set of uh, quick instructions, and I know most parents do, but um, I don't think that's helpful for us because it tends to reduce what we're doing uh, in parenting. It, it, it reduces the goal to something that is lesser than. And so actually I think in um, – I think what we need more than a formula is a way to think about parenting. Um, to call this book a philosophy of parenting sounds awfully heady. And so I don't use that a lot, but I'll use it maybe here because 
quite frankly, <clears throat> the structure of this book is um, is patterned after a lot of philosophy of ministry training that that I've received from RYM. Um, it, that is some of the foundation for it. It's the it's the um, the fixed philosophy, the fixed theology, and the flexible methodology. So. I'm trying to give parents a way to think about parenting and then and then maybe some ideas to spur on their creativity and applying it. So there's three basic uh, three sections of uh, uh, basics of belief. I'm, uh, I think of it as the foundation uh, of the of the home. And and in that foundation, there's six chapters on theological foundation for for parenting. Um, there's not a lot of specific uh, parenting. It's more just biblical theology that then gets applied to our our parenting. Um, so the word, uh, the gospel, what does it mean that God is triune and how does that apply to our, our parenting? What does it mean that God is a covenant-making God and how does that apply to our parenting? The, the, the fact that we're, we're actually stewards, uh, not owners of our children and and how does the church play a role? So that's the, the first section, the basics of belief, the, the foundation of the home. But if you think about <clears throat> parenting in, in terms of building a home, there's a foundation, but then there's there's the construction uh, principles, the principles of practice. Um, and and there I'm, I'm really looking to um, I'm looking to Jesus and the way he discipled the disciples. Um, what I talk about in the book is it. If you look to the Bible for the for the for the model family, you could be hard pressed um, to find one. And so, my belief is that the church, at least as the church is designed, is the model for the family. And so, the leadership in the church would be a model for parenting. I look to the way Jesus prepared the leaders, and there's four four sort of principles: engage, delight, shape and pray. We just spend a lot of time on those four and then um, explaining that and those principles. And then the last section is, I call it living in the house. So that would be the practical application and, and trying to show what it looks like to be founded on those theological principles uh, or, or, or basics of belief and, and, and to then apply them in our parenting together. Uh, so there are sections on what does intentionality in early childhood look like what does intentionality in adolescence look like and then and we take on some specific topics to to apply those four principles as well yeah that, that's good and i love you know just thinking back to the the first section of those foundational truths um as others have said many of us live like functional atheists <laughs> we, we say we believe certain things but then we live the opposite way. And, and oftentimes it's our parenting that reveals that, <laughs> you know, we say we believe these certain things, but then when push comes to shove and the heat of the battle with our children, our theology can go out the window. And so it's vitally important as you've structured your book that way to, to begin with that. Um, but then as you kind of get into those, those practices, and I was kind of talking about this earlier, I think that the engaged chapter, chapter eight, that, that's one that just really resonated with me. You talked about the importance of being with, and you actually, you shared just your own upbringing um, on a farm. And I'd love for you just to, to talk about that a little bit, that those early experiences of, of life 
uh, on a farm and some of the work you would do on those Saturdays? Yeah. Um, you know, I, growing up on, uh, the farm, it was, a it was a family farm and, um, my grandparents were there. My family was there, aunts and uncles. And, um, I remember Saturday mornings, um, those Saturday mornings, um, my, uh, my grandfather, my dad, my uncles, and, and I would, uh, my, my brother and I would, would meet down at the barn and, um, we'd decide or well they already knew but <laughs> i would find out what we were going to do for the day there um and what i what i didn't have a concept of at the time was that i was being included in uh relationships that pre-existed me and i was brought into uh, a work where i was I was invited into this fellowship. I was brought along and, you know, I, I brought very little value to the table in, in that work. Um, but that didn't change the way they included me. I, I remember, you know, we, we might be working cows. We might be cutting hay. We might be cutting wood, but we would load up and, and ride out in the tractor. Um, I would sit in my dad's lap and and I thought I was driving that tractor. I was uh, <laughs> my hand on the steering wheel. Uh, but what I didn't realize was he was, uh, he had another hand controlling it, but he just, he brought me along. Um, I, I think you see that oftentimes in farm families. There's a, there's a, there's, there's a bringing along the kids into what the family does into the work of the family. And there's a, you, you just catch it over time as um because over the course of those mornings there would be conversation there would be work there would be just an expression of love and commitment that you you couldn't put words to but you just felt um and those were moments that i enjoyed then but i look back on now and see how beautiful they were and i think those moments are a model for just the entirety of our parenting where we bring the kids along into our lives. And, and, and that, that also, <clears throat> I'll say this, it, it reminds the, it, 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 it paints a picture, maybe not even with words that the world doesn't revolve around the child. The child is invited into a bigger world. Hmm. And so they're brought into, um, experience that with the work but i think the engage is yeah, it's that being with there's just mm -hmm. life happens when you're when you're with conversations the work the activity the love yeah that's yeah so true um so we're just curious as we're talking about being with uh can you think of some of those moments just from your own childhood where your parents would invite you in to certain activities. This could even be conversations as you get to later in this, this chapter. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts that come to mind from that, Stuart? Yeah, um, definitely. I think, I think the biggest things would be Friday morning breakfasts. Um, every Friday dad would take either me, me Pierce or Blair to breakfast. Um, and I'd, remember especially in the early days i had to just be so difficult for you because <laughs> we would talk for i we'd be there for maybe an hour or so but 
55 minutes so that would just be hanging out and talking about sports and football and friends and all that stuff which which is great because like you were you were engaged and you were invested in my life and like even like the small things um but then the last five minutes we turned the conversation to be a little bit more intentional (laughs) you asked me some harder questions and then i just shut down um (laughs) i just and that happened for a long time and i i know that had to be hard um but it, again, it was just it was just that patience, and it was just the 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 main part the main part of of this breakfast were not you trying to get something out of me. It was just you wanted to be with me, and that was pretty clear. Um, and I think another thing looking back is, I think you blessed us um, with giving us the opportunity to be around a lot of other men, um, specifically within our church. And maybe that was just the way the church was set up and that like a lot of the men in the church were invested in our lives. Um, but I think of just the, the young men's retreats where we just go out there and do all these and we shoot guns that you didn't know existed and blow up Tannerite (laughs) and chop down trees. Um, and just, you know, throw football and all this stuff. And you just spend a whole lot of time together. And it was, I mean, they were more, men in the church and that were there um and there were the kids but that was the main point of it is there was no like separation between this and that it was just we were all together um and then, then at the very end we try and have like some sort of bible study more intentional conversation it was almost like the the main focus of it was just hanging out together and being with each other and teaching us stuff um and i'd pardon me, wishes i was more thankful for that <laughs> at the time um, but looking back, I think that that, that made a huge impact on, on Pierce and I and the other kids in the church too. It, it, it wasn't hard by the way, uh, mm-hmm. for me. uh, it was, that's, that's been some of the greatest joys, <laughs> but, but, you know, even the, like the, 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 talking about the baseball team or the football game, that was intentional too. I, I, mm-hmm. I also say, John, and I mean, you're a minister, you know, this with your own kids, but um, I think oftentimes there are things that have happened in my kids' lives that I, if it were left up to me, I would have protected them from. There is hard in ministry, and I would have shielded them from that in my own, but the Lord's wisdom is greater than mine, and he brought us into this calling as a family, and church planting is a family affair, and I remember when we first started for a year, uh, the, the boys were setting up chairs every week and my daughter was preparing communion every week, but it was that they were with in that. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't farming, but it was church planting. Yeah. I think another thing I would add to that is we were, we were setting up the chairs with the older men in the church. And one of my favorite memories looking back, um, I don't even know if you knew about this dad, but I think after we'd finished setting up the chairs and before the service start, um, I think four other men in the church who were probably over 60 um, would take me. We all get sausage biscuits every Sunday morning. Um, and it was just, we were just hanging out and we were just being together. Um, hmm. And so we were just looking back. We really were just like so blessed to have that church just pouring into us. But that was like the thing too, was like you were with us in that, but you also kind of let us be with all these other men um, and pointed us in that direction too, to where like we could open up opportunities for, discipleship or mentorship hmm. uh, that's yeah so cool to hear that and and, and something too that you you share 
Um, James, you talk about just being curious about your children and encouraging parents to, to be curious about their children. And I think you might quote someone else, but you say, um, never stop being a student of your child's heart. And I loved just that idea of curiosity and that statement. Just unpack that a little bit for us there. Yeah, I mean, I think oftentimes we we try and teach um, our kids, and 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 that's important. Um, but if every conversation is sort of monologue, one directional teaching. Um, we're missing out so much on a relationship and drawing them in. And um, I think the call to to develop a heart of curiosity, to to never stop being a student of uh, of, of their heart, is it, it it shows them that they're valued. I mean, we we know our theology tells us that we're creating the image of God, and and by virtue of uh, of His image, we are of infinite worth and, and our kids need to know that but more than knowing it I think they need to feel it and we can teach it um, but I think they they begin to sense it as as we care enough to pursue their heart and to be curious about their heart um, I think it's it's yeah they, they, they sense it more than they're taught it mm. and this just opens up a a um a dialogue with the kids you want dialogue not monologue that's so true um and kind of along those lines i mean you're talking about the importance of conversation and you, you say you know it's important to to make scripture a part of the conversation and the more you do that the more natural it becomes and it doesn't feel as forced um, but then you also say honesty and vulnerability are important in, in the conversation and that's a, such a good point I'd, I'd love for you just to maybe talk about that a little bit um because sometimes i i feel like parents can fear and speaking for myself as well for from being too vulnerable and talking about our struggles too much you know might seem to give them license in some ways and so maybe just talk about that and Stuart, maybe you can even speak into that as well I, well I'll, I'll say this and look very little uh is um is original to me i, I believe it was uh Ray Cortez, who's a, another pastor in our denomination, I, I once heard him talk in a uh, in a men's conference about his experience pastoring in South Florida, and and he said that invariably he would have um, parents come in to his office and talk about how um, their kids had um, fallen off into some manner of illicit sin and walked away from the faith, and and they were so stunned and heartbroken because they would tell him we we thought we did everything right and his response was you did do everything right and you never let them know that you needed Jesus too and so when they committed fill in the blank sin they thought that they didn't measure up to what it meant to be a christian and that really just made a powerful impact on me and um you know Kids may not need all of the details, but it is part of modeling gospel dependence to uh, be honest and vulnerable enough with them 
so that they know that we need Jesus too. And then um, that's part of not just teaching them with a monologue, the truths of scripture, but, but showing them so that they can, they can really experience it. I, I think part of that is, is just confessing to them when we sin against them, but it's also uh, being honest and vulnerable about our own struggles with sin on appropriate levels. But I know that in my conversations with all three of my children uh, in differing degrees, that has been um, something that has, I think, cemented our relationship and allowed them the freedom to be more open and honest with me about their struggles so that together we can look to Jesus. They they knew, I, I think, I don't want to speak for the kids. Uh, Stuart can speak to this and whatever level he feels comfortable. But I think they had a sense of, okay, in this struggle, I'm going to, I'm going to sit beside you and we're going to look to Jesus together versus uh, I'm against you uh, because they, they can see me looking at Jesus too. Um, hmm. I like that image too, of just sitting beside one another, looking at Jesus. Uh, Stuart, I'd love for you just to jump in here too. Yeah. Um, I, I can remember back even going to fourth grade and I was taking the communicants class at the church and you were explaining to me what sin nature is. Um, and looking back, I don't, the way you worded it first kind of scared me because you were like, Stuart, you know, you were born with the disease. Um, called sin. In fact, I was too. We all were. And at first I was you really freaking me out. Um, but it's just like that principle of even from fourth grade, from the very first time you explained to maybe when the first time, but from the very start of you explaining sin nature to me, you were right there with me and you're in the same boat with me. Um, and I think especially being a pastor's kid, having that in my mind, um, it made it to where I was not trying to grow so that I could be like you. And I wasn't like, you weren't my standard, if that makes sense. Um, and it's like, I didn't necessarily feel a pressure to do all the right things so that I could just be the same person as you are. Um, and instead it did feel like you were just kind of like by my side or in a way, even in my corner, um, just encouraging me and pushing me the way towards Christ. Cause like that you said, like just from the very beginning, like it's Christ, Christ, Christ. It's that's, that's growth. That's truth. That's life. Um, and it was never about, I mean, th this is like, I guess more so specific to just being a pastor's kid, but it, it was never about um, living up to any sort of standard. That's yeah. Encouraging to hear that. Um, I know in another chapter, James, you talk about just delighting in your children and, uh, you do such a good job just showing what, what the gift, uh, you know, the gift that children are to us. But then I do like how you caution kind of at the end of that chapter of you know, delighting in our children, but not allowing our lives to revolve around them at the same time that you do a good job of um, encouraging parents to focus on their, their marriage as well. And so maybe just talk about that a little bit with us. Yeah, I, I think, well, a big part of it is our delight in them is uh, it, 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 is it, is making sure they know that they don't bear the weight of uh, of my happiness or the family's happiness. Uh, 
that they're they're brought into, as I said, brought into something that is um, that is pre-existing, um, and you know that part of that is, as you said, is is, is delight in uh, in our marriage and making that a priority um, for them. But it's also letting them know that um, that our discipline of them is one of the ways in which we delight in them, and we're still delighting as we're disciplining uh, and we discipline because we delight. Um, I think the, the, the biggest thing is that, um, is that uh, they don't feel, on one hand, they don't feel the weight of um, the family's um, joy. Um, but, but the other part that I speak to in there is that delight uh, also means that um, that that we're going to shape them, and so I talk about what delight doesn't mean in in First um, Kings chapter one. There's this um, there, there's this passage where um, uh, Adonijah, uh, David's uh, son, uh, decides to exalt himself as as king, and 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 there's this. Very telling. It, it almost feels like a throwaway comment, but but it but it's very profound. It says that uh, David had had never uh, at, at at any time asked him, "Why have you done thus and so?" <laughs> In other words, uh, David hadn't challenged his son. He hadn't um, he hadn't disciplined his son and so he missed that D delight doesn't mean that we spoil them rotten delight mm -hmm. means that we uh we value them we take joy in them um but but that is uh that's because of who they are not because of what they do mm -hmm. um and so there's yeah. a freedom then to discipline as well yeah and, and a little later too, you've got a chapter about prayer. Um, Stuart, I'm just curious, um, you reflecting on how your parents taught you how to pray, um, both just kind of through their words, their own instruction, but then just kind of watching their example. What are some things you kind of have gleaned um, from from prayer from your parents? Yeah. Um, hmm. I think going back to the the Friday morning, breakfasts um i think just about every time you'd ask me how to how you could pray for me um and i think from there for a while of course it would be very surface level requests but i think from an early age you actually put in our hearts an understanding of the importance of prayer of repentance um and prayer of supplication and i think prayer of repentance isn't something that is not touched on as much as it should be touched on um in our day and age in our church. Um, but I think from that like early standpoints, like I heard the summers, repentance is not turning from bad thing to good thing, but it's turning from bad thing to God. Um, and I think just from praying with you, hearing how you pray for me, um, it's, it's quite clear that you understand that God is the, he's the center of your prayer life. He's the center of your ministry. He's the center of our family. Um, he's the center of your relationship with mom. Um, but also just like learning how to turn from bad thing to God um, and turn to true repentance. That just, that made a big impact on, I think my own prayer life looking back. 
Yeah, Stuart, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we can so quickly go to just asking for things from God. And of course, that's a good thing. And we need to be doing that. And as our father, he wants us to do that. Um, but there are other aspects of prayer we can we can miss. And it's funny, as you're saying that, I was reading today in Luke about you know the tax collector and the Pharisee both praying in the temple and the tax collector you know, not even looking up and and just, you know, the, the repentance that he was displaying. And so, yes, it's a very important aspect of our prayer. Um, look, I know we're needing to, to wrap this up. Uh, I know the, the third section we didn't really get to as much, but I mean, just letting our, our listeners know, I, I like how you talk about intentional parenting at the different stages. You know, we have early childhood, adolescence, and then the transition to adulthood. I like how you, you end that there. Um, there's other, there's a word on fear for fearless parenting. There's a word on sex and talking about the talk. Um, James, I, I would love for you to, um, talk to us just a little bit. You've got a website where people can buy the book, but then also you have a 12 week study that goes along with this. So maybe just point our listeners to where they can pick up this book. And then a little bit about that, uh, 12 week study that goes along with this. Sure. Uh, JamesDixon.org. It's D-I-C-K-S-O-N, JamesDixon.org. There's um, there's a, a blog on there, and there's a, uh, there's a button where you can access the book. You can get it on Amazon uh, or other online booksellers. But there's also a, um, a, a workbook study that we've put together that you can download for free from the from the website and, and it's meant to <clears throat> be something that would facilitate either Sunday school or small group study. I, I think it's helpful to read uh, books like this on our own, but we all know that we grow more as we, as we process things together. And I think that the structure of this book is uh, again, not meant to be a, a how to formula, but it's, it's meant to be a way to think about parenting and so to be able to process that in uh, in community and to be able to work through what does that practical application look like for you and your family uh, as you as you verbally process that with with others, it, it, it just helps the learning growing process. And so that's a little bit of the heart behind that is to have a, a resource for small groups or or or, uh, or or Sunday schools, and so that's all available for you on the on the website. Yeah, and and again to remind the, the title of the book, a thousand little moments, grace shaped parenting. Um, all of this will be in the show notes, so I will have a link to the book, a link to your your site, and as you're talking about this being a Sunday school class, I could see this perfectly for those listening out there. I mean, this would be a great Sunday school class for your church. Um, so be sure to check out the book, check out the study. Um, look, this has been just encouraging for me to sit back and to watch a father and son kind of reminisce and, and talk through parenting. Stuart, it's good to just reconnect with you after this summer. But thank you both so much for for finding the time to to get on here today and to to share a little bit. John, thank you. I'm I'm so thankful for RYM. It's been uh, a powerful ministry for our church, and it's been a shaping influence for our family. And I just I, I love the heart of what you guys are doing. And yeah, I'm just thankful for you, brother. Yeah. Again, thank you so much, John. It's it's always good to reconnect with you, and 
I'm thankful for RYM. I'm thankful for the RYM family. Um, and just, yeah, thank you for having us on. It's been fun. Absolutely. Without